You're listening to a 1FM podcast. Hello, he's on the line. I've got him now. It's Steve. How is it going, Steve? Yeah, very good. Uh, the listeners would be very interested to know we've had about half a dozen false stars here, but now we're finally uh, connected, so I'm very pleased to be on air. Yeah, uh, something went wrong with the phone patch in studi- Studio Free, so I've had to move studios, but it is a Wednesday afternoon. But how are you going, Steve? Yeah, all right, mate. Yes, going along okay. Yeah. At least the sun's been out the far afternoon so it's been very nice I must admit bit of a change. Well, it's very weird here in Shepparton we've had rain and we've had sun and rain and sun and I don't know it's it's feeling a lot like winter but it's it's okay. Yeah quite right now just very quickly Josh I know we discussed this before on air about your liaison well fa- family connection to Lulu and the, with your distant relative being married to Lulu's sister. Well, the Lulu's sister actually, whose name was Ed Weiner, made a couple of records back in 1983-84, neither of them which charted. So that's just another little piece of the puzzle. Oh, I didn't know my cousin did that, but mentioned last week my dad always talks about how we're distantly related to Lulu. And I looked it up and my granddad's cousin was named Jaime and he had a son called Barnaby and Barnaby married Lulu's sister who we're talking about. So that's right. Yeah, but I can't yeah. tell you much more. I don't know if she's still alive or what. So No, no, nothing more about her apart from the fact that she had two songs and one of them was called Dark Glasses, I can tell you that. I think that was 1984, but neither of them got on the charts, so there you go. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah, so distantly related to Lulu, so that's all right. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you're not related to this person, Josh, anyway. Okay, who we got this week? We've got Rick or Ricky Nelson, whoever you prefer. Yeah, I don't think I've got an Uncle Ricky Nelson. I don't think so. But I, I've, I've heard of him. He was in Rio Bravo, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right, amongst other things. Got a few other claims to fame also, actually. Okay. I think he died young, didn't he? He certainly did. Another one of my fatalistic ones, but there you go. That's what happens to a lot of these famous people. They do die young, unfortunately. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, he's a bit of a country singer. That's about all I can say. Was he? Uh, well, he... Most of the songs he did sing were pop, so... Uh, okay, yeah. Well, you're going to tell me more about him. I will. Now, he's a late 50s teenage idol, as I just mentioned. He was the younger of two sons. He was born to Ozzy, who was a 30s and 40s band leader, and Harriet, who was a singer. Now, Eric Hilliard Nelson, that's his real name. He was born on May the 8th, 1940, in Teaneck, T-E-A-N-E-C-K, New Jersey. His elder brother, David, was, was four years older. He initially lived in they initially lived in Englewood in New Jersey, where Ozzy toured with the orchestra that he led, while Harriet stayed at home with the two boys. So they bought a place in a place called Tenafly. Now Tenafly has been previously mentioned in in our little segment, and it was where Leslie Gore actually lived. So there's a couple of people, famous people lived in that area. Ricky stayed with his paternal grandmother at this stage, and the parents and David went to Hollywood, where they were to appear in a Red Skelton Hour show in 1941. Uh, now, Ricky rejoined the family after Ozzy and Harriet purchased what was to be their permanent home in LA in 1942. He suffered from severe asthma, and uh, Red Skelton's producer, John Goodle, G-U-E-D-E-L, described him, and I quote, an odd little kid, likeable, shy, introspective, mysterious, and inscrutable. So that's a fair description of somebody. Now, after attending a public and then junior high school, he then went on to Hollywood High, 
between 1954 and 58, and he put, did the usual things, played football and tennis. He confessed in an interview years later that he actually hated school because it, and I quote, whatever this means, smelt of pencils, and I was forced to get up early to go there. <laughs> well, I, I, I agree with the second part. <laughs> I don't know about the smelt of pencils. I'm not sure what, what significance that they had, but uh, there you go. Maybe with and his that, asthma, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe that was the issue. I think that's probably right, yeah. Now, just diverting from Ricky for a moment, I think most of us have heard of Red Skelton, but he, 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 he was actually drafted in 1944. And this fellow, uh, John Goodall, um, he, he crafted a radio sitcom which was called The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. And that debuted on the 8th of August, 1944, and got very favourable reviews on the radio. Now, Ozzy eventually became the head writer with the boys who were actually being played by professional child actors until their debut in February 1949. Ozzy tested the waters with a film called Here Come the Nelsons, and he decided that TV would be a preferred medium to be heard or seen. And he had the show hit the TV airwaves on October the 3rd, 1952, and the show actually ran then until September the 3rd, 1966, almost a 14-year run, which was, back then I think was, would have been pretty good. Yeah. Now, back to Ricky. He played clarinet and drummed in his teens, and he learned rudimentary guitar chords and... He was strongly influenced by Carl Perkins and attempted to emulate his rockabilly sound. He signed on with an organisation called Verve Records, which was a jazz label, looking for a young and popular artist who could sing or to be taught or to be taught to sing. He recorded Fats Domino's I'm Walking, which featured in an Aussie and Harriet episode with him singing and playing drums in 1957, and another song called A Teenager's Romance. The latter became his first single release in 1957 and that finished at number two and then he had two other songs called You're My One and Only oh just one one more song actually You're My One and Only Love didn't find out anything much that happened with that one but uh, he signed on with, with Imperial Records got a five year deal there and after a royalties dispute what else would they always seem to have a uh, royalties dispute with Verve he recorded a song called Bebop Baby which reached number three and then he released an album quaintly called Ricky, and regularly appeared at the end of the TV show singing a song I can quite vividly recall watching the the Aussie and Harriet Nelson show back when I was quite young, and there was Ricky at the end of each program singing a song. Now, he decided to form his own band after a while because he had members of his backing group who were older jazz and session musicians who actually disliked rock and roll. So he formed his own band with members closer to his age. He recorded a song called Believe What You Say, and that finished at number eight. And then Poor Little Fool, which was off his second album, was released as a single in 1958, actually became the first number one on Billboard's newly instituted Top 100 singles chart. So it was the very first number one in that format. From 1957 to 1963, you can see how successful this fellow really was. He had 31 Top 40 hits, which was third to Elvis, who had 53, and Pat Boone, uh, 38. And now both A and B sides on many of the options were hits, as distinct from the fact where we have a B side turning out to be the hit when the A side was being played. But uh, on this occasion, both sides were successful. Here are some of the songs that I've, I've listed, and there's a, I've only listed probably about 10 or so, but I think most people know the heck of a lot more. 
1958, Poor Little Fool, which was number one in the US, four in the UK and ten in Australia. 1959, Order 9, 3 and 28, and never be anyone else but you, 6, 14 and 14. Travelling Man, 1, 2 and 1. Hello Mary Lou, in 9, 2 and 1, those two were in 1961. And 1962, Young World, 5, 19 and 11. And Teenage Idol, 5, 39 and 18. And it's up to you, 6, 22 and 18. And in 1963, Fools Rush In, 12, 12 and 26. So you can see that most of those songs were fairly successful and, all to- and in most cases top 20 songs in any one of those three countries. There are many others and I suggest that the listeners have a look at the list and make up their own minds as to which ones they actually like personal comment that I made here that he had a very easy to listen to voice and he can really move between the role and ballads with very little effort and uh, now Josh and you, you we mentioned this before the program to me he changed his name from Ricky to Rick on his 21st birthday although most people even today uh, people in my age group would still call him the former that, Is it like that uh, campaign where Ricky Ponting changed his name to Rick for about a week and then it was Yeah, <laughs> it was chronic and chronically unsuccessful Yeah, yeah, so I think it's still Ricky Yeah, yeah. I, I, this one certainly was the same sort of scenario I'm sure now, in 1963, he signed a 20-year contract, would you believe, with Decca, and despite his popularity waning with the British invasion and uh, the changing musical trends, uh, Decca kept him on board. Now, he trended towards country music, but that didn't actually reach top 40 again until 1970 with a song called She Belongs to Me, which was a Bob Dylan composition. Yeah, I know the Bob Dylan one. Do you, right? Yeah. Well, that finished 33 in the U.S., and then in 1972, which was probably the last song that he did, Garden Party with the Stone Canyon Band actually reached six in the US, 41 in the UK and six in Australia. And that was his last top 40 hit. But he actually, the song was written, he actually wrote the song, but he wrote it in, in disgust at what he thought was an audience booing him for playing new songs instead of uh, old songs <laughs> at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Now, the booing was probably unrelated to that, but as it turned out, it, was, it turned out to be a very successful song. Yeah. Now, after Decker seized operations, transferred him to its parent label, but this proved to be unsuccessful, and he and his group soon resigned and played nightclubs and bars advancing to higher pay and paying venues eventually because of the, garden, the song Garden Party success where you come in, Josh. This is your area of expertise. Now, he starred in Rio Bravo. Yep. Great movie. In, in 1959 with John Wayne and Dean Martin. Yeah, he was the, there, young, the young sort of baby face one of the trio. Yeah, well, he, his role virtually was was in the Nelson show too. That's exactly what he looked like. So I don't think he would have had any trouble playing that part. Now, he, he was in two other movies. I don't know whether you're familiar with these. Wacky a Ship in the Army in 1960, yeah, sort of. uh, which was Jack, Jack Lemon. Yeah, I've heard of it. I think the title sort of keeps me away from that one. And the Over the Hill Gang in 1969 was just a bit later on, and this is with Walter Brennan and Pat O'Brien. Now, I don't have any information on those shows, but people can certainly look that up. That's fine. Now, he was a guest star on a multitude of TV shows also, including McLeod, Streets of San Francisco, Petrocelli and The Love Boat. And I suggest that the listeners check out the list. There's a whole lot of others on that list also. Married a Christian, a Christian, uh, K-R-I-S-C-I-N, Harmon, 
who was the sister of Mark Harmon, who you be familiar with, Josh. Now, I've got here uh, that Mark Harmon played the role of, of the voice of Superman in Justice League. He's, he's the guy from uh, NCIS. That, that would be yeah, out Yeah, I think that's where people would know him from. He's the lead character, so... Okay, that's fine. Now, he had uh, four four children with uh, Kristen. Uh, Tracy Christine, who was born in 1963. Gunnar Eric, G-U-N-N-A-R, Eric, and Matthew Gray, who were twins. And they formed a group later on, called actually called Nelson. And they sang a lot of their dad's old songs and sounded, they sounded pretty good, actually. And he had a fourth son born in 1974, who was name was Sam. Unfortunately, by the time of Sam's birth, the marriage was in difficulties and they divorced in 1982 after several acrimonious years following Chris's divorce application. She unfortunately became an alcoholic as Rick continued to tour because the family was, you know, spent recklessly expensive lifestyle and the children ended up in the care of house, household help. Now, in 1980, he met a Helen Blair who became his road companion and in 1982 began living with him and became his uh, PA. Now, most of his family disapproved of this, uh, disapproved of the liaison, unfortunately, that, that came to a rather an abrupt end, as we'll find out in about 30 seconds. And now, on December the 31st, 1985, just began a comeback tour and was heading for a New Year's Eve concert. His DC-3, I read somewhere, the DC-3 planes were, or his particular one was very unreliable from a mechanical point of view. Uh, But the plane actually, uh, passenger plane actually crashed while it was in a flight between Alabama and Dallas. Now, the two pilots survived, but unfortunately, Ricky and Blair and five other passengers died. I think he was 45, unfortunately. That's all he was. A tragic end, but un- unfortunately more acrimony uh, ensued between the Blair and Nelson family through the burial, burial arrangements and Harriet was very much against the lady being buried with Ricky and et cetera, et cetera. So I suggest, again, the listeners read the details. There's quite a bit of information there. 1994, he had a golden palm star on Palm Springs Walk of Stars uh, that was dedicated to him. In 2004, the Rolling Stone magazine ranked him as 91 on their list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. I dare say uh, since 2004, he's probably gone down the list a fair bit. I think that was a pretty pretty big recognition of the fact that he was a fairly popular person in his time. So that's about it, Josh. Unfortunately, a a sad ending, but many great songs. And the favourite Ricky Nelson song uh, by A Fair Way is is Traveling Man, so I think we'll have that one first, thanks. Yeah, and here it is now, Ricky Nelson with Traveling Man. It's a good song, that one, and a good artist. Yeah, he he certainly captivated the teenage audience back in those days, and I I actually quite liked it. The the show itself was a fairly standard uh, American sitcom, smolchy type, feel-good type series, which was good, it was fine. And that was the area that we were brought up in, and that's what a lot of those shows from America were like at that time. The other songs that I picked now, I'm going to do one here for our friend and uh, colleague Roman, because I know he loves this song. At my 70th birthday, he actually got up and sang this song and did a pretty good job. So, Poor Little Fool, we'll definitely have that one for him. 
And I've, I've got three others here. Joyce and Chapeza might play all of them, or two of the three. That's fine by me. Teenage Idol. Okay. Never Be Anyone Else But You and Garden Party. Okay, I can do all that. Thanks, Steve. Another good one. And you'll have to watch Rio Bravo because he's very good in it. Okay. I think I have seen the movie, but it's a heck of a long time, and I certainly don't have a great memory of it, but I'm, I might uh, go and check that out. Yeah, I have to uh, watch I'll, it again. I haven't, watched it. I haven't watched it for a number of years, but Dean Martin's very good in it as well. Okay, all right. We might do Dino in one of our segments at some stage, but we won't do his whole life because that would take about three yeah. shows. But we might do some of his music and some of his movies, and a bit, bit like the Burl Live special. So we might do that one day, one later, later on. Okay. Uh, Josh, that's it, Ricky Nelson. Fantastic artist, in my opinion, and well worthy of a spot on our show. Yep, very good. And, well, anything else to say before we go? That's right. No, my usual thing. I hope to stay. The sun does stay shining, but I hope everybody stays healthy and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah, well, take care, Steve. And, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you next week. All the best. Have a good one, mate. Thanks. All the best. Bye. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.